Welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clucks. I'm Javian. And I'm Tyler. And today, Tyler and I are going to be talking about um, our journey in creating a healthy relationship with playing our instrument and developing interests and habits outside of music. So before we go into our topic for today, of course, we got to start with some coffee talk. So Tyler, what are you drinking today? Yes, sir. So my wife went to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and picked up a bag of uh, Costa Rican coffee from a coffee place called Gray Squirrel. So uh, it's pretty good. We're almost at the end of the bag now. It's a lot of blueberry, fruity kind of flavor notes, kind of right up my alley in terms of uh, coffee profile taste. But yeah, it's nice. What about you? Um, so this past weekend, I went up to uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Well, I was in Atlanta, but then I, I took a, a day trip to Greenville and I went to one of my favorite coffee shops in downtown Greenville called Methodical Coffee. Mm. Uh, I think you've been there, right? It's amazing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I brought a, a bag of their, their uh, coffee beans. It's called Pink Lady, and it was roasted a few weeks ago. And it's a medium roast, and it has like citrus, berries, dark chocolate. It is really, really good. I can't stress that enough. Uh, I, I think I'm on my second cup of it, um, so I'm still it's still really fresh. So it's it's really great. It's really amazing coffee. Um, it's very flavorful. It's not acidic. It's just good tasting coffee the way god intended <laughs> <laughs> and you're still you're still doing that on your uh french press right yes yes i nice. know i know i know no no you're good man you're good <laughs> you're good yeah today i switched to the uh, v60 i've been doing a lot of my stuff on the chemex oh okay um and you can tell a difference man like the the v60 is even though it's still a cleaner cup it's not as clean as the the chemex man the, the chemex is like leaves nothing behind Oh, it's very nice. That's good. Yeah, I got to get my new one. So, soon. yeah. Soon. Well, yeah, that's right. It's it's a Prime Week, right? Amazon yes. Prime Day yeah, or no, something right. like that. Something like that. Maybe they uh, have some some deals with that. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So this problem that we want to talk about, I guess, or something that we know is pretty apparent, and I mean it's apparent across the board. Like you look at any business businesses, CEOs. Any top performers, they tend to have at some point or another an unhealthy relationship with the thing that they do over and over. And I think from our experience, we have both, we both have dealt with that to some extent. Um, and even it's probably an ongoing thing. It's one of those things that we kind of have to keep in check. So let's just start with, with you, Javian. Um, have you ever had an unhealthy relationship? with playing your instrument or with just music in general? Yes, I, I, I think kind of like you said, I think most people deal with it because um, I think both as a student, we're in the trenches trying to figure out this thing that we do, trying to get a job. So we, if we become obsessive about that thing and then we kind of lose ourselves outside of that and we lose our, our self identity, who we are as people and sometimes we lose our interest outside of playing, outside of our, just our daily routine of just hacking away and trying to get better. Um, so in that regard, yes, I've definitely experienced that. 
um, I remember a time where it happened the most is where I was actually having some some issues playing um, while I was in, in graduate school. I was just having a, a rough time. And I was just so, the issues I was having was causing just this dark cloud over my head for a very long time. And, and during that time, everything just, I just wasn't doing a whole lot. It was all about trying to figure out what I was doing on the trumpet. It was, you know, not really hanging out with friends. I was just very dark a lot of the time of the day and just very, had a lot of anxiety about all this, all these things, all these issues that I was experiencing. Um, but then, you know, it's, I, I had to kind of have a look in the mirror with myself and do some self-reflecting and trying to figure out how to get out that phone, both as playing trumpet, but realizing that the things that are happening outside of that are also being affected. You know, my mental health was being affected. You know, um, I, like I said earlier, I wasn't spending much time with friends outside of school or outside of, you know, the music building, so to speak. Um, so I just, you know, I was really focused on trying to find some balance. So I may, I mean, we'll get into this a little later, but, you know, I decided to make some serious life changes, both eating and, and health wise. Um, and then that kind of helped my mental clarity. Um, and then, you know, right now I, I'm a assistant professor. And for me right now, this is also an, another challenge because, you know, for me, I teach all day and then, but most days I get home and it's really late and then I set up a practice and then you're just like mentally exhausted and it's like all right well how do i have some balance so i don't like burn out right mm -hmm. um which is i think happens to a lot of musicians and i think really any field if you look at any profession there's a lot of there's a high burnout rate there's a high burnout rate in the medical field there's a high burnout rate in the um with lawyers um so for me, it's about, in my current position, it's about finding the balance and what I do as my job and then what I do outside of those things to make sure I have some balance and that I'm not burning out. But it is a hard thing to do, I will admit, because you know, as a teacher, I want to be everything for my students. I want to be involved with everything. I, I want to go the extra mile you know you, you want to create a certain environment in your studio and in your department so to do that requires a lot of work you want to make sure your students are doing well you want to make sure they're practicing you want to make sure you know they're learning their solos they're learning their skills so you put all this added pressure on yourself to make sure those things are happening and i mean sometimes that's not reasonable to ask yourself to do all these things but I think maybe for where I am in my life, you know, I'm young on the younger side of things. Um, so I think maybe my attention to that is a little different. Maybe if I was 20 years into teaching, maybe that my perspective would be a little different because um, I'd be a little closer to the finish line. But I think, <laughs> but I think for where I am in, in, in my, my career is that I, I'm trying to really find that balance, to try to be there and, and do all these things, yet finding that balance. So it is a, a hard juggling act because, you know, when you're teaching 
you know, five, six hours a day of lessons um, and then having to find time to practice on top of that, it's really hard to find that time for yourself, you know? Yeah. So um, I know we'll get into this a little later, but, um, you know, finding breaks throughout the day where I just go on walks or I just take some time to read, take some mental breaks or, you know, at the end of the day, go for a walk around campus or downtown, um, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm very into working out, uh, but we'll go more in details about that later. Um, so that's pretty much it for me. It's really hard. I'm, I'm still in, believe it or not, I'm, I'm still in the trenches. I'm still trying to figure it all out, um, especially now that I have a, a larger studio. So that with that comes more demand, at least I think it does. Um, maybe it shouldn't, but I think it does. Um, but I'm, I'm still figuring that out and it's still a process like anything else, um, figuring out what to do and how to manage all those different things. Um, so what about you? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think it was kind of a same thing. I was in, I think my undergrad days, it was pretty toxic. I mean, you think about it, you spend so much of your time in, in a closed space and where we went, there were no windows. <laughs> So you're just constantly in a room by yourself, critiquing, analyzing, thinking about the things that you're not doing well, and then also kind of looking out at the picture of, well, what are the odds of me actually being successful in this career? And I think growing up, you start looking at the people that are the top performers and you see how great they are at what they do, but you don't see anything beyond that. You don't see how they are at home or what they do outside of that. And so you think they must just eat, sleep and breathe playing, playing a trumpet or being a musician. And it comes to find out, I mean, some of them definitely do. And there's, you know, there's aspects of their life that they haven't developed because of that. But you tend to find that there's this thing called balance, which is an ongoing thing, right? It's like you said, it's, you go from one thing to the next and then you kind of have to recalibrate that balance. And I think when I was in my undergrad, I, I had no balance and that led to me being very bitter at times, kind of not, not knowing who I was or, I mean, really like I suffered deeply from it. I was, I was sad a lot. I was not a very joyful person because it, you know, my attitude and my, how I felt that day was reflected on how I played. You know, if I had a great practice session, I was happy. But if I had one that went south or was pretty bad, you know, that reflected in the way that I treated people. And it was not good. And it took getting away from that environment and spending time around people who are not musicians to really show me that, um, you know, that you're not just a musician. You know, when people, saw you and they called you by your name and they just knew that oh like this guy's really cool to hang out with and I guess he plays trumpet you know like that was the first time where I was like oh man like people will accept you beyond just what you do in a practice room or on a stage like that was so cool to me and it was really refreshing and you know again you said we'll talk about it later like finding out what those healthy habits are outside of music and those interests and what I'm finding now is that I believe what we do playing an instrument is really only 20% of 
what we do, who we are. And I think there's this other 80% of us that for most of us goes untapped. You know, we can live our whole lives and not know that we had all these other gifts or all these other talents and pleasures that we would enjoy, but we just never took the time to develop them or to seek them out. And I think that's really sad. And, you know, when I went back to Florida State for my master's, you know, you have your first lesson of the semester with your new students. And that was kind of like our organizational lesson. And I would ask every student at the beginning of the semester, if you woke up tomorrow and couldn't play and trumpet was gone, would you be okay? And probably 90% of them, 90% of the answers were no. And that's how I knew the balance was off. Because at some point you have to get to a place where this thing that you do, you have to kind of be okay with it, letting go and, and being gone. You know, and that's like a crazy thing to say, but at the same time too, it's like, you're going to reach a certain point in your life where you're not going to be able to play anymore, or you're not going to want to. And so what are you going to spend your time doing outside of that? And that's a question that, you know, I like to plant a seed for these younger students to kind of be able to start thinking about to provide balance and say, Hey, like, this is your perspective right now. Let's think like this. Because all those experiences that you're going to have outside of playing your instrument, you can bring in and it's going to develop you more as a person and a musician. Yeah, you're, you absolutely make a lot of great points. I, I, while you were talking, I was thinking, do you think, I feel like since we're, you know, we're coming from, you know, these big music school institutions, I feel like sometimes we get shamed for um, doing things out, outside of the, the profession, which kind of feeds into this, this mentality. And I, and I know a lot of people who have, you know, a lot of our friends, mutual friends who, you know, were great musicians in school. And then, you know, once they finished school, they ended up doing something outside of the music, which is perfectly fine. But do you feel like there's some shame within our community of that? And why do you think that's the case? Yeah, so it's almost like this purist type of mentality. Yeah, you see that a lot, especially um, in the classical and in the jazz world. Um, and they, they take on different faces, but yeah, I think that's the old school approach was that like, if you're in this, only if you're doing this full time. And I think with our current situation with COVID, you see that this business, this industry is very fickle and is, does not have a very strong foundation. And I think you're seeing more and more people embrace the fact that you're more than just one thing. You're multidimensional and that is super marketable. And I think you, you have to be, to be able to survive, you have to be able to know how to market yourself. You have to be able to, Hey, I'm into fitness. Maybe I'll get certified to coach. Maybe I'll do this thing. Like, if you talk to anybody that's a multimillionaire or billionaire, what do they talk about? Multiple streams of income, right? Vacation. Exactly, exactly. You wanna look at their stock profile or portfolio, like tons of different avenues. They don't just focus in on one thing. And I think that's something that we've gotten wrong for decades. And that pressure that these teachers had came from the teachers before them who came from the teachers before them, you know? And so they just pass it down the lineage because they think, well, this is how it was taught to me and this is the path that I went and because it was this brutal, it's gotta be the same for you. And I think we have this 
new wave of people. And one of the things that I love about you, man, is that you are, you have all these other interests and you openly talk about them to your students. You know, you have this run set up on Saturday mornings every, every other week or whatever with your studio. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? Not only are they hearing you talk about that, but they're actually engaging in it and doing it with you. And that's so important because you never know how that's going to develop for them personally in their own lives, you know, and then all of a sudden they tell someone else that's maybe in the clarinet studio or in the flute studio. And now they tell their professor and now they tell others, you know, it's like just a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think now more than ever, we see more people embracing that and understanding that like, Hey, you are definitely more than third trumpet in some podunk symphony, you know, it's like, that doesn't matter, you know? Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's something that's real. I think, so I went to uh, an arts high school, very, very similar to you. Uh, and I think that was the first time I really introduced to this idea that you have to be solely focused on this one thing. You know, it's kind of a conservatory mentality. Like you are a trumpet player. You need to give all that you have to this thing while you're here in this program, which I mean, I, to some degree, I understand that like you need to be focused and, and, and willing to do all this work. But a part of me was like, there's so many other things um, that we need to be also doing as people. You know, there's humanity that I think that we need to spend more time experiencing, you know? Um, and I remember I had a, a friend in high school who uh, his principal instrument was tuba, but, you know, he was just a, a really great musician. He could play trumpet, he could play horn, trombone, and he always had interest in doing other things outside of his principal instrument, you know, playing different instruments and just learning more about music. And, um, but our... our <laughs> Our teacher would be like, you need, to, you need to focus more on your tuba, you know? Even though he was a fantastic tuba player, like, honestly, like, the best tuba player in the state of South Carolina at the time. Um, but, you know, that was a time where it's like, you know, this is maybe not the best approach. That's when the wheels kind of start turning, or at least when I first, like, realizing it for the first time, um, that there, there needs to be other interests that we are, you know, doing on a daily basis that kind of create that, that balance. And I, like you said, I do think it comes from this lineage of, you know, teachers passing down the torch to their student and then it's kind of filtering its way to the next gen uh, generation. But as you know, like the music, the way we do music, the music industry, the field that we work in has changed so much, not even I mean, think about 100 years ago, but think about in the past 10, 15 years, how much what we do is different. So I always felt like the music school had some fear of evolving, or it's very, very slowly. It's not changing quick enough to keep up with how the world is changing. And I think one of, as you kind of said, one of the beauties about, or maybe one of the very, very few beauties about this COVID situation, it is kind of forcing the hand of institutions across the world. Say, like, oh, we need to reimagine what we do and how we do it, you know? Um, so I, I think, I, I hope that once this is all over, that we'll kind of continue this path, this wave of new way of thinking of teaching 
is education. You know, like you say, so for me, I always talk to my students about how I do things outside of, you know, music. You know, they all know that I, I like working out. They all know I like coffee. They, you know, we do this whole like Saturday morning run um, like every other week. Um, and one thing I, I've had them do is, you know, at the beginning of the semester when they, they have their, their, their schedule, I say, all right, let's look at your schedule. And I want you to write in, you know, hourly what you're doing throughout the day. You know, so I want to see your classes. I want to see when you're going to practice. And then I also want you to put in times where you're going to do other things outside of music. So like your relaxation time. If you like video games, put that in your calendar. Say, oh, I'm going to game from seven to nine or whatever. You know, or if you like working out, put that in there. So then we can uh, evaluate like what you're doing, how you're managing your time, finding your interests outside of the music school. And that way you can, you can find where that balance needs to be in your life. So you don't burn out, so you can stay motivated in practicing, right? I think part of the burnout issue is that um, we don't have enough time away from our, our, uh, our instrument. And then we were just, you know, going away and at it every day or hourly, hourly. And then at some point we get to that breaking point where it's like, I can't do it anymore. Or I'm just so exhausted that my practice sessions are not productive, you know? So it kind of feeds itself in a, in a weird way that way. So I think creating that balance will also help become a better musician on the, on the flip side of that. It's definitely being somewhat shamed or looked down upon and going into a, a field outside of music or or doing stuff outside of music is a, a real thing. I think we both have witnesses and you know maybe we felt it from teachers in the past or from you know from experiencing through friends who have experienced it in the past. Um, but I, I do think we need to evolve as a, a music industry about that you know we are people first you know musicians are way down the line on that totem pole so I'm yeah really, yeah it's that's, it's interesting thing that's good there's almost like this shaming of like our society has of rest and relaxation and doing things that you enjoy doing like our society shames that because it's like well if you're not working all the time and if you're not if you're not grinding every minute, every hour, then what are you doing? Then you must yeah. not care enough. Yeah, I think that is a, a very American ideology. You know, yeah. I think we live in a society where, you know, we are always thinking about, you know, making money and, and, and trying to maximize profits and et cetera, et cetera. And it feeds on this idea. So, well, if you're not working and you're not doing anything, you're a failure, right? Right. And like, I mean, a lot of other societies are not set up that way. You know, there's some countries that have a lot of like vacation time. They have set times where people go on breaks every day and, um, to get away from the work. So there is not this, this burnout because that's real. Some people only have four day work weeks versus, you know, a five day work week. Um, and again, it's the, this idea of trying to prevent this, this burnout and, and, so that people have balance in their lives. Cause um, I think there's been a lot of studies about like how a lot of Americans, like there's this rise of 
um, depression and anxiety and um, many, many issues um, that kind of feeds into that. And it's because we, we live in that society where you constantly have to work. If you're not working, you're not doing it right. And that's, that's not healthy. I think we both, I think every person can like get behind that. Like always working is not healthy, right? Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, I don't know how we fix that, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think we have to fix it on an individual level because I don't yeah. foresee society as a whole changing anytime soon on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it starts with you individually having awareness, one, mm -hmm. um, to understand that like something is off, something's not right. And then, you know, kind of leading into the next thing, like, what if people say, well, this is all I know. Like I was first chair all state. I was a music major in college. Now I kind of have my first job and whatever else, but like, how do I develop interest? And that's a shame, right? It's like, it'll take people, you know, to their twenties or thirties, forties, who knows, you know, for them to actually be in a spot to, to have that mental awareness to say like, Oh, well, what do I actually enjoy doing? And, you know, for me, it's like, I found running kind of my mid twenties and that has been a game changer for me, but you know, for yourself, JV, and when, when was that, I mean, you mentioned you're in grad school, you hit that low point, but what was that like when you realized like the light went off and you're like, okay, I have to make changes. And how did you figure out, how did you experiment with finding those interests? Cause I think that's something that people kind of hesitate about too. They know they need to make a change or they know they need to develop interest but they're kind of afraid to, or they don't know like how to do it. I don't think there's a correct way on how to do it, but maybe we can just provide a little bit of encouragement to say like, yeah, it's okay to try. And if that thing isn't the thing that you like to do, that's cool. Go with something else. Yeah. Um, for me, as I said before, um, when I was in grad school, I was going through a really tough time in terms of, you know, playing and um, the environment that I was in. Um, that there's, like I said earlier, there was like this dark cloud on me all the time. And, and you kind of mentioned how, you know, if you're having a bad day of practice, how that affects you personally, you know, and it kind of feeds into that mentality, that negative talk in your head. It's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be to do it. I'm not going to get a job doing this. Um, so I was going through that exact same thing. You know, it was the first time where I really questioned if I would be able to make it through, you know, you know, throughout, you know, high school and undergrad, you know, and even masters, I was like, oh, I'll be able to figure it out. You know, I will just keep working and what will happen will happen. But this was the first time where there was like significant doubt, right? And then not only was I not like mentally healthy at this time, I wasn't physically healthy at all. You know, and I think that was, it was going kind of hand in hand, you know, eating a lot and not really doing any exercising. And, and at some point I was like, I have to figure something out, right? If I'm not going to be mentally healthy, I got to at least be physically healthy, you know? You know, that's something I can control, right? You know, uh, it doesn't take a lot of practice or there's not like, I don't have to go to school to practice good eating habits or the, to do like to work out. So I, I just, one day I was like, all right, for this month, 
I'm just going to go on this diet and just see how I feel. I'm just really commit to it for 30 days. And at the end of the 30 days, I'm going to reevaluate and see if there's something I want to do long term and, and go from there. So uh, I still remember it was like it was in November of 2000, I guess, 2015 um, and or 2014. And I, I fully committed to this diet for 30 days. And at the end of those 30 days, I didn't have any slip ups. I was fully committed. At the end of the 30 days, I was like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. I never thought I would be able to do that. You know, I got through it. I didn't have any slip ups. I somewhat enjoyed the process. I mean, there's a few times where he's like, oh, I want that like sweets or whatever. But, <laughs> but I was like, for 30 days, I was fully committed. And I was like, I can do this long term. You know, this is something I can commit to. Um, and then I said, all right, so I'm going to take it to the next level. So I'm going to do continue like eating healthy. And now I'm going to maybe start working out on top of that. And then I started doing that. And then that's kind of where my whole perspective really changed. Uh, I didn't, I didn't start doing a lot of like heavy workout. It was just like, I'm gonna go three days a week, see how it goes. You know, I started going with some friends um, who was also interested in like trying to get in shape. And then we just kind of made it like a group thing at first. And then as I started seeing results, I got more invested, started going more by myself and it became my own like personal thing, my own like therapy section, uh, session, if you want to think about it like that. And it just became this very therapeutic thing where I would go, you know, maybe four or five times a week now. And it just became like a, a true balance to all the things I was doing with Trumpet. And then I was like, all right, now I have all this new interest or this new love outside of trumpet. And in a weird way, it provided some clarity and kind of like what we were talking about today about like, I'm more than just this trumpet player. I'm, I'm more than just sitting in a practice room playing for three, four hours a day, you know? And then ironically, I felt like I started having better results on the horn, you know, because I going into every practice session, I wasn't so like mentally exhausted, you know, <laughs> so that helped my practice. So there's a weird way how that that worked, at least for me, it worked um, both ways. You know, I, I got physically in better shape, which provided some mental clarity, which then helped me play trumpet better um, long term. Um, so then, you know, once I started doing that, then I started getting into other things like coffee. This is about around the time where I really started getting into coffee. You know, I was a barista um, starting in my master's. Um, and then once I went to Cincinnati, then I really started getting more into, you know, the coffee scene and trying to figure out what that's like and trying different things and going to like some really cool coffee shops in the city I was living in. And, and that just became a new thing for me. Uh, my roommate at the time was in, also into coffee. Uh, he would just drink like a pot of coffee a day, which Ooh. not healthy. We joke about that now, but he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. I know we love coffee, but that's a little too much. Uh, and I've always liked sports. You know, ever since I was a kid, I grew up playing sports. So doing, being active and, and outside playing was always something I had always done as early as I can remember, like four years old, five years old. 
playing football, baseball, basketball. Um, so I was always kind of involved in that. But, you know, once I got in grad school, I kind of like repurposed, uh, made some, well, I kind of had to make a shift in what I was doing on a daily basis. And um, that kind of allowed me to find that clarity and that balance. And ever since then, I've kind of taken that same approach, making sure that is something that I'm doing every day or at least a few times a week for clarity's sake. Because even now that I'm in this job and I'm, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm working a, a lot of hours. Um, when I go to the gym, it's like everything is right in the world. You know, it's like I can get away. It's like my little escape. I get away, you know, I, I pump through the frustrations. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's very therapeutic for me, which in, it may sound crazy because you're like sweating, working hard. But it's just, it just helps me, you know. And I honestly, I feel very weird when I don't get a chance to like work out on a, a consistent basis. So like during the COVID situation where every all the gyms were like shut down, I was like really struggling. Although I was doing some home workouts and, and running, but it just wasn't quite the same. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I say, say all that to say that you know, I, I really do think it's really important to kind of find that interest. And it, it, for me, it only started as one thing, you know, just let me take this one month to do this one thing. And that evolved into doing other things outside of that, which has allowed me to kind of find some passion outside of, you know, playing trumpet or music. Yeah, that's so good, man. Yeah. Usually those habits start from us reflecting in and be, not being happy with something. You know, you think about like people that want to lose weight. Well, there's a problem, right? There's, they look at themselves and say, okay, something is not right. I'm not happy with either my body image or just how I feel. And so because of the problem, they say, okay, let's just start. And the ones that are successful with that are, like you said, they said, okay, let me just change one thing. Let me just add one new thing in my routine and see what that does. And that's how it started with running with me. It was, all right, I'm going to go out and just try to run one mile. And for me, it was like 13 to 14 minute miles. It was yeah. really slow. And, you know, it was, it was rough. And then over time, like you said, that feeling when those endorphins are released, you feel like you're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. Not only that too, but again, because of the nature of what we do, it's all, it's mostly indoors inside a practice room, in a rehearsal space, something like that. So, you know, running, at least, you're outside. You're in nature. You are, you know, in a different environment. When you go to the gym, you're around non-musicians for the most part. You know, you're out there around other people who are doing the same thing, trying to better themselves. And when you're around that environment, that's, it builds you up. It brings you up. Not only that, too, but there's so many parallels from like working out in sports to what we do playing an instrument. And so we always say like trust the process and all that kind of stuff. I think I've had more clarity about that through running and training for marathons and saying, okay, I went from running one mile to be able to run 26.2 and, you know, through this training and trusting each run and each session, like how come I can't translate that to the trumpet? Like, why do I have that hiccup, you know? Um, and it's really something that I'm, I'm working towards of just like making those parallels and, and being okay with that. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just one thing, one simple thing, find somebody, you know, there's all these, I mean, not right now, but like running groups or groups that you can get involved with community is super important too. So trying to find people who have similar interests in you, that I think is also important as well. So at this point now, um, you know, we've kind of gone through this stage of saying, okay, we don't have balance. We need to figure out what are some things that we'd like to do, but it doesn't end there, right? Like it's always something that, like you said, now you have a bigger studio. So now your balance goes from here to like, oh, 60, 40, need to kind of get it back in tune. So how, number one, how do you have the awareness to know when things are off? You know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, I can feel it uh, physically because I'm like exhausted at the end of the day. Um, but I can also sense it mentally. You know, if I get to the end of the week and I just feel extremely exhausted and I feel like somewhat burned out, that means that throughout the week, I didn't have enough balance. You know, I went, I, I went too hard in the paint on my job. <laughs> so, so that, that tells me that next week, okay, maybe instead, instead of staying in the office, like an extra, like two hours doing emails or what have you, maybe I'll just go home right after I'm done teaching my last lesson and then go home, maybe watch some TV, maybe go for a walk around my neighborhood. And, and maybe that is what I need. So I don't feel that way at the, the end of the week. And I think it's, it's really important, at least for me, is, is make sure that I'm like treating myself in a, in a weird way, you know, like, you know, giving myself time to go on a nice dinner or, or go out and hang out with some colleagues throughout the week or at the end of the week. Um, and, and for me, a hard thing for me to do is to say no, you know, if, you know, if I, a student needs help with something and, and if it's at a certain time of the day, you know, after hours, I'm like, I can do that tomorrow, you know? So I think having not just a balance, but like awareness of your time, you know, time man, this is kind of part of the whole time management, but time management, usually we say, oh, you need to be working efficiently. But I think part of time management is knowing when to cut it off, you know, so that you have your own time for yourself, right? So, you know, making sure that I know where that line is, you know, so I'm not going to answer emails after five o'clock, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow. You know, the world's, well, hopefully, the world's not going <laughs> to end <laughs> between now and like eight o'clock the next day. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that. And it, and it helps me kind of keep that balance and making sure I have enough me time each day. To, so I, by the time I get to the end of the week, I don't feel just overwhelmed by the job, right? So that's, that's, it's hard. And as I said before, is this is a balancing act and I'm still like figuring out exactly what that needs to look like. Um, so it, it is a process. Um, and I want to make sure like I'm investing in, you know, relationships with people outside of, you know, my job. Um, this could be with colleagues. It could be people who I've met 
around town, around town, you know, or friends that I've kind of lost contact with over the years and, and, and putting more investment into that. I actually, funny enough, had a two hour, hour long conversation with a former roommate who I haven't talked to in a while. And that was very refreshing. You know, it was great. We talked about when we were in grad school, we talked about what's going on in his life and what's going on in my life. And it's always nice to kind of reconnect so that, you know, at the end of a long day, it's like, oh, this was a nice change of pace for me. You know, so continue doing stuff like that. Um, what about you? Yeah, man, I think it's, I think over time you start to know when the wheels start falling off, that alignment gets a little, it's like, you know, with your car, it's like you can start to tell when you need to get an alignment check. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the more in tune you are within yourself, faster you can catch it before it goes right. too far off you know it's there's this saying that you know one percent change you can't really see that but one percent change over 30 days becomes 30 percent you can see 30 percent yeah you know so catching it before it becomes detrimental i think is i think it's huge and you talked about the cutting off the okay this can wait till tomorrow that is so hard for for myself and that's something that I constantly, it's like a muscle that you have to work out. Like you have to get used to doing that over and over. And I think some of that too comes from saying like, all right, this thing can wait. It's not as important as I'm making it out to seem inside my head. And also realizing too that if you're not your best self, if you're not 100%, if you're 75%, you're going to bring that to the table. And 75% probably not going to be good enough for your students, you know, but 90%, that's going to be solid. You know, so thinking about too, like how, where you are, that affects everything. Like that affects how, you know, if I'm down, if I'm not feeling good, that's going to reflect how I treat my wife. That's going to affect how I talk to my parents, talk to my brother, all those things that we kind of take for granted. You know, we're just like, oh, I'm just in a sour mood. And for me recently, I've been asking myself, why, why do I feel this way? why are these emotions creeping up and a lot of times it's because oh well you didn't do this workout or you overate and overeating and things of that nature and you're like oh okay easy fix got it cool you know but again it comes from like sitting there and, and something that i've started doing recently is journaling in the mornings and that has been like a game changer for me, just writing things down, like how I feel in the morning and things that I might be worried about and, you know, what's kind of going on. And it goes from up here to out there. And it's like this release and it's super refreshing for me. And it's kind of been a new tradition, a new rhythm that I've kind of started in my life. And the other thing too, is on Sundays, you know, Sundays I call kind of my Sabbath and I literally, man, like there's a few things that I'll do, but as far as like checking emails and, anything work related, no, nah, that can wait. You know, like you literally need a day to just kind of regroup and recharge because if you're working hard in the paint, as we say, like six days a week, that's not gonna last very long. You know, like your body's gonna give out, your mind's gonna give out, your emotions, all those things are gonna be taken from you. And what are you, what are you left with? Mm -hmm. You know, just bones and, and a lot of water, <laughs> right? You know, so it's, it's something that's constantly ongoing, man. And like you said, moving, new job, uh, family, things of that nature, things that pop up, 
that change over time, like, yeah, your balance is going to change and new things are going to come in and you have to be able to adapt and be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's an ongoing process. Yeah. I, I like the idea of journaling. Um, uh, I had this conversation with a student, um, who was feeling very overwhelmed by all these different things. He felt like he was missing some assignments and he's like, oh, I'm not practicing enough. I'm not doing this. And I was like, well, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. So I, I kind of gave him a little homework assignment. So this is what we need to do. I want you to write down everything, every assignment that you need to get done and let's put it on paper. All right. So we can actually visually see it. All right and write down all the things you need to practice so we can visually see it. And then let's take that and let's just come up with a plan to get those things done throughout the week. Not in the next hour, not in this day, but spread it out throughout the, the entire week. And let's see how we feel at the end of the week. Because I say, I guarantee you, it feels like a lot of things because you're processing, it's all here, it's all mental. But if you write it down, and then you start to cross these things off as you go throughout your week, I guarantee you'll feel way more manageable. And then you can have that balance and there's no anxiety and that's not the anxiety or depression is not going to affect the actual work itself, you know? So I, I, I definitely like the idea of, of journaling, um, something I need to do more of <laughs> myself, uh, if I'm being honest. <laughs> hey man, yeah. It's, the, it's those small little things that you do and everybody thinks that you have to do something big. I was talking to my friend yesterday or two days ago and I was like, you know, we, we tend to live for these big moments and it's like, man, throughout your life, you're probably only going to have a handful of big moments, you know, maybe a wedding, getting married, getting a job, having a child, you know, things of that nature, like something, owning a business, things of that nature. But it's like most of your time is spent in ordinary days, you know, like the day-to-day -day stuff. And, you know, those are the days where like these small habits, these small, the small wins, the small things that you do to keep yourself aligned, that's going to pay off in the long run. So that when those big moments do come, you're not thrown off by it, or it doesn't change who you are because you've established this foundation and this, and this quote unquote balance. You know, I think about now, like having a family down the road and, you know, and people are always like, well, your running is going to take a hit from that and this and that. And it's like, oh, well, this is something that I enjoy doing. So if I enjoy doing it, I'm going to make time for it. Just like anything else. Like if you enjoy hanging out with people, you're going to make time to spend with them regardless of your work schedule. You know, and I think we kind of, we allow ourselves to, uh, you, know, you know, toss those things off easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So exactly. Um, yeah, man, that was good. Yeah, I like that. So let's transition a little bit. Music. What are you listening to? What are you checking out? Um, so I, I recently got into this, uh, this guy, his name is Terrence Martin. Pianist? Oh, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Snarky puppy? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I've been listening to, I can't remember the name of the album, but I've been listening to um, his newest album on Spotify. It's really good stuff. It's, it's very similar to kind of like the, the Snarky Puppies, mostly like instrumental mm -hmm. stuff. Um, they have some singers on a few of their tunes, um, but I've been really getting into it and I've been enjoying it. I was listening to it um, most of last week. So I'm sorry, like, right, I vibe with this. This is good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm always looking for good stuff like that. What yeah. about you? 
So I've kind of gone old school, kind of mm. tapping into some of the uh, college days and high school days. So uh, RH Factor, oh, thinking yeah. about thinking about Roy Hargrove last week and the week before, and I was like, oh man, let me check out. And it's it's crazy. You listen to some of the stuff that you know you might not have listened to in years, and you hear it with different ears. Hopefully, more mature ears, <laughs> and. Uh, it hits you differently and it kind of brings you back to, to places or things or, you know, that time period. It's, it's awesome. That and uh, Stevie Wonder listening to some of his music because he just has so much stuff out there, yeah. you know, and of course we only, the radio only plays like a handful of his things, but yeah, I've been trying to check out some of his stuff that like, you know, I've never listened to before. So that's, uh, that's been refreshing. RH Factor. I actually played some RH Factor during a studio warm-up class last, I think it was last <laughs> week or two weeks ago. And it was like, nice. who's that? Who's that? I'm like, you guys don't know RH Factor? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. I know, man. We got to kind of keep that music alive, exactly. especially now that he's not with us. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. That's awesome. Um, so before we wrap up, we want to thank everybody for listening to Coffee and Clark today. Um, we are planning to have a special guest for our next episode, so be on the watch out for that. Um, and we want to uh, tell you guys to make sure you subscribe to Coffee and Clarks on Facebook, Instagram, and five-star us. So give us a five-star rating, please, on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, when you guys get a chance. And that's where you can fi uh, find all of our, our episodes there on Apple podcast and youtube if you want to watch the video version of the show um so uh tyler where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media yeah so my instagram is tyler duncan 91 and then my facebook is just my name tyler duncan awesome and you can find me on instagram under nerdy prof that's p-r-o-f on instagram and you can find me on facebook just jvn brabham um, and you can find me on YouTube. I have some YouTube videos, I think. Yeah. Nice. Davian Bravel on, on YouTube as well. If you want to follow my channel, it's really boring. So <laughs> but if you, if you want to listen, it's, it's there as well. Uh, but again, thank you all for listening to another episode of Coffee and Clarks. And we hope to have a, another episode out very, very soon. So you guys take care. Thank you. Cool. See ya.